0: verse 23, we're going to read on through to verse 27. I titled this morning's message, Peace Through Righteousness, Peace Through Righteousness. And so I want us to look in verse 23, and it says, And whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven, and saying, Hew the tree down, and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field.'" and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O King, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King, that they shall drive thee from then, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven and seven times shall pass over thee till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee after that thou shalt be known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee and break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. You may be seated. As we heard when Brother Sommerdorf was here, and, and this was kind of new to me. I mean, he, as a pastor, I'd never really thought about this. I always thought that when you read the New Testament and you see it's God that brings men to power. Amen? You go into Romans and you can clearly see there is no power but that power which is of God. And so we see that. But man, did he point something out to us. And I'd never really seen it in the Old Testament before. And he pointed out that Nebuchadnezzar was my servant. God said that about Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> so now we come to this time, and God really laid it upon my heart. I was working on this message and putting it together. How many of us like to have peace in our life? Amen? Amen? Amen. How many of like times of peace? Amen? Amen. And, uh, and, I, and I've shared this with you many a time. When I was little, my mom used to say, You kids get out of the house. I want some peace and... Quiet! I want you out of here. I want you away from me. I want you to go do something. Go find something to do, right? And then usually peace was not there anymore after we went out and did our something because we were always in trouble for something, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so we'd come back and Mama would teach us what a switch was made for, a willow switch. And uh, here's the thing. We like peace, don't we? We like peace in our lives. We like that time whenever things are peaceful. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar was no different. And God allowed him to establish a kingdom. Now, let me share something with you. We're going to look at something, and I don't want it to confuse you. Even as believers, there was a time in an economy in which God worked that he would use dreams to bring messages to men, and then he would use people to interpret those dreams. And so what the king wanted to do is he wanted to get the soothsayers and the astrologers and the Chaldeans is what they were called, and they would come in and try to determine what it means. How many of you know people that read their uh, horoscope? Huh? Huh? And I like to call them horoscopes because I, I just don't get it. Uh, I'm going to read something about tomorrow, about myself, and that's supposed to come true because my horoscope said so. <laughs> because the way the stars align and, and I'm a Leo, so therefore a Leo has these kinds of things happen in his life. Come on, give me a break. Amen? So he's wanting to talk to these astrologers. He's wanting to talk to these people. So what happened, God brought a, king to, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, or, uh, God brought a dream to Nebuchadnezzar's life. So this dream's there, and it's burdened him now. And he doesn't know what to do with this dream. He doesn't understand it. So he goes to what he knows, and he goes to the world to bring a message, you know, like us. Whenever we're out there, we go to the psalmist and read, let them read our palms, right? The palm readers. Isn't that what you do? Whenever you want to know what's going to happen tomorrow, you go to the palm readers, right? <laughs> or do you pick up your Bible? <laughs> That's right, yeah. And here's the thing, he went to the palm readers and said, tell me what this is all about. And the palm reader said, hey king, we got no idea. Now the reason they don't like to interpret things, because if they're wrong, guess what's on the line? (laughs) Their life. Um, Their life. He would bring death upon them. So he brings them in and they're like, oh king, we have no idea. So he said, go get Daniel. Now they had changed Daniel's name. This man's in captivity. He's over here now. Nebuchadnezzar's his ruler. They call him Belshazzar now, which means magician, by the way, has that idea. And that's not what he was. And even Nebuchadnezzar, when he's talking to him, he said, you are the magician of uh, the holy gods. <laughs> that's what he's telling Daniel. And Daniel's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I know the God. Amen. Now, think about it, his friends were just thrown into a fiery furnace, and now the king says, hey, come in here and tell me what this dream's all about, knowing one thing that my life could be taken if I don't interpret this thing, right? And so Daniel gives him the interpretation of the dream, and that's kind of where we're at right now, but I want you to see a couple of phrases in the scriptures that I really want you to get a hold of, because this is going to set the stage for what I want to help you better understand as a believer in Christ Jesus. There are times that God will hew the tree down, you see that in that phrase, look at verse 23. Verse 23. And it says up here, hew the tree down. Hew the tree down. Right underneath of it says, yet leave the what? Leave the stump. Hew the tree down, but leave the stump. So I just kind of want you to get a hold of that. And then I want you to jump down into verse 27 and I want you to see this. The Bible says, break off thy sins. I want you to underline that in your Bible. Break off thy sins. Now notice how you break off sins. Break off thy sins by what is the word? Who is the righteousness of God? The Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? I want you to have that in your mind, to break off thy sins by righteousness. Now watch this. All of us want peace in our life at times. How many of you just raised your hand a minute ago and said, Preacher, I love having peace in my life. Amen? I like peace in my life. Well, he says, Break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities, those sinful things that we do, by showing mercy to the poor, and it may be a lengthening of thy, what's the word? Tranquility. That's the word peace. If you want peace in your life, get rid of the sin in your life. Sometimes there's some trees that need to be hewed down in our lives. Sometimes God's got to do it until he leaves nothing but the sump. And that's what's left behind sometimes, is nothing but the stump, <laughs> And I want you to get a hold of this this morning as we look at this. When you talk about Hugh, that's to chop something down. And the Lord uses this to illustrate what's happening in King Nebuchadnezzar's life. And he's saying to him, I'm going to take this thing down. Now, this king does not recognize that there's a clear sin being put on display by him. And that clear sin or that apparent sin, and a sin that may not even be apparent to us, is the sin of pride. Now, pride is sin. Amen. And I want to tell you this, and I want you to hear this throughout the message, and I'll bring this up again as I preach to you this morning. The idea is, is I want you to know this, pride leads to further sins. Make it plural now. Pride is not only a sin, but pride leads to further sins in our lives. Pride leads to further sins in our lives. Now pride starts it, but pride leads us to many, many sins in our lives. As we look at this, we can definitely see a blatant sin and and we see this in his life. And by the way, sometimes we can see the blatant sin in other people's lives, but boy, we don't want to take a look in the mirror, do we? (laughs) Because we don't want to see the sin in our own lives, but it's really easy for us to look at someone else's life and see the sins that are in their lives. And we can look at the world and we can see the sins in the world and we can look at other people's lives and say, if they would just stop this, this would be better for them. But you know what we really don't want to do? (laughs) we don't want to behold our face in the glass, do we? We don't really want to look at our own sins, do we? And so as we think about this this morning, we see the sin of pride here, and this is something that's in every individual's life at times, or at some point uh, they're around someone who is, and you see uh, this sin in Nebuchadnezzar's life is that it's apparent to us, but maybe not even to him because he just doesn't see it. How many of you have had your children point out a sin in your life and you just want to spank them? <coughs> yeah. we want to let them have it, don't we? Don't you dare speak to me that way again. <laughs> and what is that? That's called the sin of pride, isn't it? <laughs> and here it is. Pride is deceitful. And I want you to know the devil uses it. It's very deceitful because sometimes we can't even see it's present in our own lives. We cannot see that pride is present in our lives. And yet, we do it in all kinds of fashions. And then that pride leads to these other sins. And so sin is very deceitful. And many are fooled into believing that the weightier sins are those that are seen rather than those that are unseen. And the key here is pride leads to more sin. And what happens is is we don't really see it. So it's not real evident to us in our own personal lives, but it leads us down a path of destruction. And so the Lord can and does shoot down the tree and leaves nothing but the stump so that he might show himself strong. Now, bl- folks, listen, I believe God is doing something at Calvary Chapel Baptist Church in Minster, Ohio. God knows our name. He knows who we are. He knows who's here. God's giving us favor with himself, and God is giving us favor with man right now. We're getting indoors and speaking to people about their salvation. That is of God. That is not of man, <laughs> My prayer is is that we move, just like Brother Dustin's talking about, not just seeing people get saved, but people getting discipled. Amen? God's showing favor here. And listen, when Brother Summerdorf came, we had guests here and everything. We want to try to get those guests back to the church. And here's the reason why, not so we can tout our numbers, but that we can see people enter into the kingdom of God. Amen? And so the goal is, is let's not get prideful, but let's get to the place where we're saying, you know what? We're at 50 now. Let's be at 70 next year. We don't have to be at 7,000 or 700 to do the work of the Lord. (laughs) And what we want to do is bring people in and see them grow and be disciples. Hey, let me tell you something. There's a couple here this morning that I am so excited about what God's doing in their life right now. And that's James and June Fodd. When I met them, they were not where they are now. And God has worked immensely in that couple's life to the point where they were out yesterday and James was knocking on doors by himself even though Brother Dustin said, just wait for me. And James got the power in him now. He's got the Holy Spirit. He's going to go knock on some doors. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Folks, that's one couple out of a thousand that we've knocked on doors on already. God is at work at Calvary. (laughs) And listen, Sometimes he has to hew the tree down till there's nothing but a stump left so he can have the new saplings spring up out of it. How many of you have cut a tree down and then watched saplings go up out of an old stump? I got one in my front yard right now. I left it there because I was doing this message. I was like, yep, that's a perfect illustration for me right there. And I go out there and I have to weed eat and whack around that thing and, and I have to mow around it and everything else. But I'm telling you what, Miss Carroll, I'm just letting it grow. <laughs> it's just a reminder to me that sometimes when something's cut down, it has an opportunity for new growth. And as I look at this, I see this. And let me tell you what the pleading of your pastor's heart is right now. I'm pleading for revival. Mm. We got May of 2020 coming up. I want to do a victory gospel crusade in our area. I've got nine other churches encouraged to get in part and be a part of this thing. And it's not Pastor Warnick doing it. It's the God that I serve that's encouraged my heart to do these things. There you go, that's it. And I want to see God do something in this area of Midwest Ohio. I want to see revival come to this place. <laughs> And I want it because of who God is, not because of our name, or for our name's sake, but for his name's sake. Do you know sometimes he's got to hew a tree down, and here I'm pleading with the Lord to bring revival to our area, praying for revival to break out in our hearts. I'm praying for revival to break out in our homes. I'm praying for revival to break out at Calvary Chapel Baptist Church. That's what I'm praying for, and I hope you are too. And I want to see God do something like he's never done before, and I want to see him make disciples at Calvary Chapel Baptist Church. People who are really growing in the Lord Jesus Christ and then have a desire to reach others and then watch them do the same. And we just keep duplicating ourselves until we go home to be with the Lord. (laughs) Is there some areas, and I want to challenge you with this, of your life that need some changes? Is there some areas of your life that need some changes? Is there some places that you would say, you know what, (laughs) this really needs to change in my life. Not just for the sake of change, but I want to change because of what God's Word says. I want to change because the Bible teaches me that this ought to be a part of me. And the Bible teaches me that this ought not to be a part of me. But I'm going to change because I know what the Bible says. You know what that takes sometimes? A hewing down of the tree and allowing some new saplings to start growing. Amen? Amen. And sometimes we have to break off our sins and we have to get rid of the iniquities that are in our life for that peace to start coming to our lives. I believe that's what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Sometimes we need some heavy pruning. I need it done right now in my my driveway. Uh, If you come up, there's some trees there and I I try to mow under them with my lawnmower and the branches are hanging down. And I'm telling you right now, I'm about ready to break out the chainsaw. (laughs) Boom! How many of you like having those branches drag across you and everything else while you're trying to mow the lawn? You know what I mean? And so I'm saying some pruning needs to take place. Why? You do that and some new growth will occur and it will grow up maybe a little bit higher and not hang down like it does. But here's the thing. Some heavy pruning, some hewing down of some trees in our lives so that we can be used of God for the Lord to open the floodgates of revival. And so I'm telling you this morning, if you really want peace in your life, there's three things that we're going to look at here. And the first thing is this. You need to understand the authority of God's word. If you want peace in your life, you need to understand the authority of God's Word. Secondly, you need to do this. You need to understand that the heavens rule. The rule is of God, not of man. And the heavens rule. We need to understand the authority of His Word. We need to understand the authority that He has and that He rules the heavens and the earth. And then, thirdly, this understand the authority. ...of his righteousness, it will fulfill itself. His righteousness will fulfill itself. And we need to understand the authority of it. Let me give this to you. The first lesson in this authority is... ...is when the Lord makes a decision, it's firm. It's his declaration, and it'll stand. And listen, folks, we must have an understanding in our hearts... ...of the ruling that comes down from heaven. We look at this, and we see Daniel's in a very tough place. And the Lord was able to send a dream. and, And he brought Daniel into this situation. And God uses his word, the Bible... And listen, he no longer uses those dreams, but what happened here is this, this message came to him, and he's coming to tell this man, there's a problem with pride in your life. Do you know sometimes God's coming to us, he's saying, hey, there's a problem in your life, and he's trying to identify it for us. And we're not looking at it biblically. Sometimes it brings anger, and it brings further sin. Sometimes God's pointing out things to us and we let it overtake us. What I'm challenging you with is this. Let me give you some verses and you can write these down. And I just want you to think about how the sin of pride leads to other sins. And so the Bible says this in Proverbs. He says in eleven twelve, When pride cometh, then cometh what? Shame, doesn't it? When pride enters in, it's followed by shame. And so what happens is, is we see this unfold right here in the book of Daniel, in Nebuchadnezzar's life, and we'll see what happened to him in just a moment. And we'll see that when Daniel came to him, he said, look, there needs to be a humbling in your life. And he he for a moment, but for a moment thought that's true, and you know what? Here's what can happen to you this morning. The very thing that I'm preaching to you right now, you can say, you know, I might need that, and when you walk out this door, you'll forget every word I spoke to you Mm -hmm. from the Word of God. You'll forget it. And you'll walk out of here just as maybe prideful and as sinful as when you walked in. Not wanting to let go of those things. Not wanting to allow God to work in your life. And listen, Nebuchadnezzar for a moment, he thought this was good. He brought Daniel in. He heard what Daniel had to say. And I'm going to show you what happened to this man. The moment he decided, I I didn't really need to heed to that. I just need to hear what the interpretation of the dream was. I don't really need to heed to the Word of God. I just need to know what it says, but I don't really need to do it. I just need to know what it says. And yet God desires for us to put it into effect. He says in Proverbs thirteen ten: only by pride cometh contention. Now I want to ask you something. When pride cometh and contention follow, is that sin leading to sins? When contention enters into a home, what starts to happen? Anger starts to well up, doesn't it? Problems start to well up. We start pointing the finger at others. We start looking at what's wrong rather than what's right. We look at other people's faults and try to bring them to the surface. We're looking at everything that's wrong and nothing that's right. By the way, pride is followed by contention at times, isn't it? And then he goes on and says in 1618, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And what kind of a, spirit is that? What kind of spirit is that that I have to be so prideful? Well we're going to look at Nebuchadnezzar and see he was a prideful man. And this pride that entered into his life he didn't see it as really apparent. He had Daniel come and interpret this dream. He gets the dream. He gets the answer. And just a few verses later he does just the opposite of what God had told him not to do. He goes and does just the opposite. So, note, this sin of pride brings with it all kinds of sins. And generally, the sin of pride starts a downward spiral. And by the way, folks, it doesn't just happen for the unsaved. It happens for the saved. Did you hear what I said? It doesn't just happen in the life of the unsaved that they end up in a downward spiral. Pride causes the saved to end up in a downward spiral. Causes us to move away from God. Now, let me challenge your hearts this morning. Look at verse 30. We see what he told him in verse 7. Look at verse 30. And just to make it flow, we'll start in verse 28. And this came upon the king, Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? And I want you to notice in verse 31, While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from where? Now, I want to get you to get a hold of this for just a second. I know you can look at that and you can read over it and you go, Oh, God just spoke from heaven. I want you to know, if you're here this morning and you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God resides in you. Amen. When you are about to sin, the Holy Spirit says to you, Stop it. Amen. The Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, Knock it off. The Holy Spirit says, don't enter into that. Don't do that. That's no different than what's happening right here. Do you see, there is a voice that comes from heaven, and when we open up the Bible, we have the voice of heaven in our hand, amen? amen. And so when God gives us his holy word, and we read his word, and his word has been put in our heart that we might not sin against him, then when we're about to sin, and God reminds us of what we're doing, all of a sudden we have a problem, don't we? God's trying to correct him here. And God is so wonderful and so merciful and so plentiful in his mercy that he reminds you that you're about to enter into sin and a voice comes down from heaven. That's called the Holy Spirit of God speaking to the heart of man. Saying, knock it off. You're about to cause yourself more trouble than you want to embark upon. No different for King Nebuchadnezzar. And so we look at this and we see this entering into his life. And it says in verse 31 while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to this or to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from what? Thee. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit stays with us now rather than departs from us? <laughs> Isn't that good? Amen. Holy Spirit doesn't leave us now. <laughs> Holy Spirit there is to help. And listen, God chastens us and wants us to stay in a right relationship with Him. And sometimes things are hard in our lives because there's sin in our lives, and that sin is keeping us from fellowship with God. It doesn't cause you to get unsafe, but it certainly breaks fellowship with God. And God is going to keep after you and keep after you and keep after you and keep after you until you make that adjustment. <laughs> and until you make that adjustment, nothing's going to change. Now listen, I don't want you sleeping in here this morning. I want you wide awake because I want you to know what the Scriptures teach I want you to see what the Bible says this morning. I want to challenge you in your thoughts. Listen, we are in the house of God. And the Word of God is being preached. And we need to be awakened in our hearts and in our minds with the Word of God. We need not allow ourselves to drift off. I want to challenge you in an area. This man that heard what God said through Daniel still turned in his own direction and disobeyed God that's what happened he disobeyed the Lord now I want to challenge you with this believe me Satan approves of this type of action Satan approves of this type of behavior he approves of the eye syndrome he approves of everything being about us he approves of all of that and Satan will use that to drive you away from God He'll use it to drive you away from God's people. He'll use it to drive you away from the house of God. And yet God said, listen, if you want peace and tranquility in your life, get rid of the sins break them off. (laughs) Sin will cause us to go in a downward spiral. Turn to Isaiah with me real quick. Chapter 14. Chapter 14. I want you to see this. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Chapter 14, verse 12. You know these verses, probably you're very familiar with them. And here's what I don't want you to do uh, uh, familiarity breeds content, doesn't it? I know this verse, so therefore I don't need to see this. I want you to see this firsthand. I want you to see what the Bible says. And here's what the Bible teaches us. Look at verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O loose verse, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, and there's five of these in here, and I want you to see these, there's five I wills in the scriptures. And here it is. He starts with this, for thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet thou shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. There was an I problem there, wasn't there? What was the I problem? It was Satan thinking he was in control, wasn't it? I am in control. I am greater than God. And folks, listen, when we become disobedient to the Word of God, and I is the first thoughts in our mind, we need to set that aside because you're headed for a downward spiral. I want to challenge you in your thinking this morning. Sometimes we have to hew the tree down so that the new saplings will grow. Amen? Amen. And if we're going to allow those new saplings to grow, sometimes we have to prune. We have to get some things out of the way. Now listen, none of us in here are angelic in any way. I know all of us are sinners, including the man standing before you. And there are sins in my life, and I need to ask God to forgive me for those sins, and I need to live according to the Scriptures, just like you do. (laughs) When I come to preach to you, I don't preach perfection. I'm not up here telling you about all my shiny diamonds. I'm here to tell you that there's coal on the other side of my ring, and the thing of it is, is that all of us have that in our lives. And what we need is a holy, righteous God to help us overcome it. Amen. What Nebuchadnezzar did here was sinful. God had already told him what to do, and he ignored God. And so we come to this, and we see this this morning, and what I want to challenge you with is, Nebuchadnezzar took a crash course in this, and he hewed the tree down. In verse 23, And destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth. And sometimes God has to cut us down to the point where all that's just left is this weak, feeble body and mind trying to then turn my way and look up to heaven and say, oh, well, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do now? And sometimes it has to come to that before he can get our attention. As long as the stump remained, it might be hoped that green branches might shoot forth again. Look at verse 36. This is where the excitement comes now. Are you ready? <laughs> this is where the joy comes back. Look at verse 36. Verse 36. And he says, at the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose work are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to do something. What's he able to do? He's able to cut them down, isn't he? Now, who did that in his life? God did. There's an understanding returning back to him. And I'm challenging you to think about this this morning. Is there some areas of your life that need some change? Areas that might need to be removed? Maybe some branches that really need to be cut out of your life (laughs) that are causing your relationship with God to not be where it needs to be. Hey, listen, how many of you know God loves us? Amen? Jesus Christ loves us. He said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to do something. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God loves us. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace, isn't he? And what he wants is for us to walk in that grace and walk in that. He, He wants us to have this wonderful time of fellowship with him. But listen, God is also a righteous God, isn't he? And the thing that God cannot look upon is sin. And when there's sin in our lives, understand me, folks, our fellowship with God is never where it can be when there's parent sins in our life and they're there, and our walk with God is never what it's going to be when those apparent sins are evident in our lives, and we're not walking with God, we're not seeking His forgiveness. Now listen, He's a merciful God. He's a God that forgives, and God loves each and every one of you. Listen, He sent His only begotten Son to die for you, and what He's saying to you is "Is now, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's not just the Ten Commandments that He's talking about. Those Ten Commandments, four are God six are man word, and God says the entire scriptures encompass those ten commandments and what he's asking of us is as our friend and if we love him we will keep his word that's what he's telling us and what it is is sometimes we have angerness in our hearts and bitterness in our hearts because maybe a situation didn't turn out like we wanted it to Or maybe there's that, I am building my empire, I am building my kingdom, and listen, God is not going to get in my way of my empire, my kingdom, and listen, the most important thing to me is my 401k plan, and my retirement plan, and I am the most important thing, and everything about me is so important that God is not that important to me anymore. I will use God as I see necessary. Preacher, those are harsh words. No, that's where we get as human beings. It's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar was doing. He saw those boys in that furnace. He saw what God did with those boys. And he said, look, there's a fourth like unto the what? Son of God. He knew some things. And listen, he was God's servant. but Yet he became very prideful, very dictatorial in nature, very nasty, very unkind to people, taking God's people and putting them into captivity. And is there some areas of our lives that need some changes? We must also allow God to guide us because of His position. If you look at verses 25 and 26, He said that they shall drive thee from men. And then you drop down to the bottom that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever He will. What happens is, is we must allow God to guide us because of His position, who He is. God's the one that wrote this book. How many of you know that this morning? God wrote this book. I didn't write this book. I'm telling you what he said. But I'm telling you and challenging you in your hearts this morning that the second lesson is the authority of God's rule. God's rule is the rule of heaven. And no man can tell the Lord how to run their life. And listen, many of us in here right now, listen to me. We want to tell God how to run our life. We're going to tell God what we want Him to do and then we're going to tell Him how we want Him to run our life. We're not interested in God really telling us how He wants to run your life. We're interested in telling God how He's going to run our life. And what happened was this man found out that was a big mistake. (laughs) As we look to the Word of God, this is humbling and many can have an attitude and try to tell God how to run their lives. Even Christians You know, we get on board with God and then we get off board with God because God says, here's what's best for you and we don't like what's best for us. We want what we want and not necessarily always what's best for us. But I want you to know God's always going to provide you the best. (laughs) He's going to give you the very best. Always give you the very best. My pastor used to make a statement every once in a while. He said, Bob, it's better to want what you don't have than to have what you don't want. He used to tell me that all the time. It's better to want what you don't have than to have what you don't want. How many of you have been in that boat that you got what you didn't really want, right? Huh? It's better to want what you don't have than to have what you don't want. Sometimes we end up on the latter end of that, don't we? We have what we don't want. And here's the thing. Here's this man. He has this kingdom. God's given him all. And really, all he's doing is trying to use him and maybe even woo him to himself. He's he's blessed him immensely. And yet he comes and he says, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? (laughs) Is this not my 401k plan that I have built? Is this not my empire? Is this not my houses? Is this not my rentals? Is this not my stuff? Is this not my bank account that I have built? Is this not my car that I drive? Is this not my position that I hold in this company? Is this not mine? brings it down to earth, doesn't it? And the thing of it is, it's not this that great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. Well, the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. Listen, when we get that way, the Holy Spirit pricks our hearts. Amen? Have you been there? You say, preacher, I think you're the only one in the room. <laughs> no, I've been there. I've been there, and God has pricked my heart, and he's brought to my attention, you need to watch yourself. Everything I possess, everything I own belongs to him. Hey, listen, my wife belongs to God. Amen? Amen. better watch what I do with God's possession. Amen? God's allowed me to have her for a time, but that belongs to God. My children belong to God. Amen? I better watch what I do with my children because my children actually belong to God, don't they? Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, this church belongs to God. Amen. I better watch what we're doing inside the church because this is actually God's. It's not ours. And he's kept us here for a time. We've got to be careful that we don't go beyond what God has given unto us. Now, when God intervenes and reminds them that they uh, are His, and then we can get angry, we can get upset, we can get mad. And God did as He said He was going to do. And when you look at verse 30, we see what happens. And then you want to jump down to verse 31. I want you to see this. While the word was yet in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men. And thy dwelling shall be the beast of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was as wet as the dew of heaven, till the hairs were grown like eagles' feathers on his nails, and his nails like birds' claws. Now I want to ask you something. Did God not say that's what was going to happen? Right. Did he not say that's what was going to happen? Yep. So if God says pride cometh before contention and pride cometh before destruction, <laughs> are you with me? Yep. If, if pride's doing this, then I'm asking you a question. Will God's word be fulfilled? Yeah. Now the word of the Lord is true. He stands by his word. And an individual that thinks that they're more powerful than God, be mindful of this. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5, the Bible says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of who? God. Paul had to remind himself of that, didn't he? And God was using Paul in a magnificent way, but it got to that place. Now, many may think that they're in control of their destiny. They're in control. However, people forget God rules. and, And listen, our money doesn't rule. Our power doesn't rule. Our position doesn't rule. Our title doesn't rule. The heavens rule. And when I look to the scriptures in Romans 14, he says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Hallelujah! The Lord God omnipotent reigneth in 19:6 of Revelation. Isn't that the truth? Listen, every one of us in this room today are going to stand before God and give an account. If pride is in our life, it will lead to further sins. If pride is in our life, it will lead to further sins. Now, God loves you. (laughs) He loves me. And God doesn't want that to enter into our lives. He's looking for us to let go of these things. When I look at this, what are you willing to pursue to forgo your relationship with the Lord? (laughs) I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? Present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. Wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable what? Service. Service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of who? God. God. There's a change in us, isn't there? And when we think we're in control of our destiny, you need to think of Romans 12, 1 and 2. God's looking for a transformation in your life, not a conforming to the world. He's looking for us to change, to transform us, to change from one to another. And when you got saved, you were transformed from the, uh, the, the, the idea of dying and going to hell to a, an eternal heaven. There's a transformation that took place. Then you no longer belong to yourself, you belong to God. And in so doing, Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> he missed it. We must have a change in thinking and to be ready to sacrifice for the will of God. And Nebuchadnezzar, found out that he was not in control, and quickly things turned on him, didn't they? And God can remove some things out of our lives, folks. Listen, I know we think we got it going on right now because the stock market's doing well, and Donald Trump's in office, and the government's making all these boatloads of money, and you're making boatloads of money. I want to tell you, in 2020, things could turn the corner in a way that you can't even imagine. And we're counting on our bank accounts more than we're counting on our God. And everything that you possess and everything that you can own can become valueless, worthless. And the thing of it is, is that the only thing that really counts is that which counts for eternity. What am I doing in regards to eternity? Brother Dustin, I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm thankful that we're out knocking on doors. And I'm thankful that we're sharing the gospel with people. And I want you to know, folks, that's the greatest need our nation has right now is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't need more money. (laughs) We really don't. We don't need more possessions, and we don't need more stuff. (laughs) We need Jesus Christ. Job 121, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. Thither the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar was to find out that heavens do rule, and only the power that he has is not his own. It's the power of God in his life. So I want you to think about this. Not only the authority of God's word in your life. Get a hold of this now. What about the authority of God's rule in your life? I know his word, but is it ruling my life? I know his word, but is it ruling my life? I know the authority of God's word, but do I understand the authority of God's rule? Are you trying to tell God how to run your life, or are you letting God run your life? And what we have to get to the place is, is we can't become a Nebuchadnezzar. We have to turn away from our own thoughts. Maybe it's going to take some trees getting hewn down in your life. Maybe it's going to take some cutting of some branches, some pruning, some things being taken out, some things to be removed, some changes that really need to take place in your life. And the last thought is this. Realize that it is not men of this earth that control all but the righteousness of God. In verse 27, get a hold of this. We, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of tranquility. God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to understand that the heavens do rule, and the king was given some instructions in verse 27, and he says, break off thy sins by righteousness. And he said, break off thine iniquities. Listen to that evilness that's in you. And the result of doing that, God says there will be a lengthening, there will be a calm, there will be a stillness, there will be a quietness that can enter into your life. I started off the message with this. How many of you recall this? How many of you like peace in your life? I do. Right? Now the message has done this while you've been in here, hasn't it? (laughs) It's taken us on a roller coaster ride. And the thing of it is, is what I don't want you to forget, how many of you really want peace in your life? then we have to remember the authority of God. We have to remember the Word of God. And we have to remember that His righteousness rules. And I want us to look at this thought, and I'll finish with this this morning. When you look at righteousness here, we see in 1 Kings 19, 11 and 12, it says, And He said, Go forth and stand upon the mount of the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and a strong wind rent the mountains, and breaking pieces of the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind." <laughs> And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire. Go ahead, Ms. Connie. Go ahead and say it. Mm. How many of you have had that still for small voice just knocking on your heart? That still, small voice that's trying to talk to you, that still, small voice that's saying, hey, listen to me. Oh, because when the wind comes and the earthquake comes and the fire comes, it's got our attention, doesn't it? What about that still, small voice? See, God's trying to speak to you right now. He's trying to speak to your hearts right now. He's trying to communicate something to you, and that communication is this. (laughs) Do you want that peace in your life? You know, Nebuchadnezzar finally gave in. Look at verse 34 here. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. And mine, what? Understanding did what? When did his understanding return? When he started looking which way? <laughs> when did he start gaining understanding again? When he looked up. Watch what it says about him. Look at the verse with me, okay? And he says in verse 34, he says, uh, I, and, 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 and he lifted up his eyes to heaven and mine understanding returned unto me. And I bless the Most High and I praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion And his kingdom is a generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? (laughs) Now I want you to get a hold of this. Remember this. Are you trying to tell God how to run your life? Are you asking God, How should I run my life, Lord? Are you counting on the empire that you're building for yourself? (coughs) Or are you counting on the Son of Man to return one day? (laughs) You see, in our minds, we want to tell ourselves as believers, I believe God's Word. Do you believe God's rule? (laughs) And do you live by His righteousness? You see, when you look to this, this man... He was told exactly what to do. You say, well, preacher, we can read that. I mean, he knows exactly what he was supposed to be doing. And he knew what not to do, preacher. Why would he do this? We know exactly what to do. And we know exactly what not to do. And we do it anyway. Are you with me? Amen. It happens, doesn't it? We know what we're supposed to be doing. How many of you know you're supposed to read this? Amen. Now, I'm not getting you to raise your hands, but how many of you put it off today and didn't read it? We know we're supposed to study this. How many of you picked it up and studied it today or did we put it off? <laughs> we know we're supposed to memorize this. How many of you put it off and didn't do it today? Amen. We know what we're supposed to be doing don't we? How many of you know the Bible says, be angry and sin not? Amen. How many of you got angry this week and sinned? You don't have to raise your hands. I can almost guarantee you we got almost 100% in <laughs> Somebody got angry. Somebody sinned. We know what we're supposed to do, but we are not. And we know what we're not supposed to be doing and we're doing it. So when you look at Nebuchadnezzar's life, don't point the fingers so hard. Look at his life and say, oh, Lord, bring that understanding back to me. Help me understand this truth. I'm looking for the peace of God to enter into my life. Now, I'm going to take you to the New Testament. We'll read this verse, and I'll close in prayer, okay? I want you to turn to Philippians with me, if you will. Chapter 4. With Nebuchadnezzar in verse 37, his spirit changed dramatically compared to what we found in verse 30. We see that prideful person come out and then we see a man saying, my understandings returned unto me. And then we see the prideful individual, God, can really cause them to be abased. I want you to write these verses down. You can go read this on your own. But go read Luke chapter 18, read 9 through 14 and look at what it says. You know where the, the Pharisee comes in and the and the, the publican comes in and they're praying together. How many of you know the story there, right? And the Pharisee comes in and says, oh God, I thank God I'm not like this, I'm not an extortioner, I'm not this, I don't do this. And I'm not like that publican and the publican could not lift up his eyes. Oh, that Pharisee was looking unto heaven in pride, wasn't he? That's not the kind of lifting up we're talking about. Listen, lifting up sometimes is bowing our head and humbling ourselves, isn't it? It's coming to that place where we realize that we need God in the midst of this. And listen, folks, let me share this with you. If we really want to see revival in our church, sometimes some of the trees in our lives need to be cut down. If we really want to see revival, some things need to get cut down. Some things need to be hewn down. And listen, you know, when I tell you that pride leads to things, it does. Sometimes it leads to old friends. Sometimes it leads to old habits. Sometimes pride leads us to old music or old TV programs or old movies or alcohol or pornography or drugs. It leads us somewhere. Because pride leads to contention, doesn't it? And I want to tell you, pride leads to more sins. And we can see what happened to this man's life. And as we look at this, I think about that madman, Catarinus, and then they went out to see what was done, and Jesus came and found that man out of whom the devils were departed and sitting at the feet of Jesus and clothed and in in his right mind and clothed. I mean, this man, he made it back to Jesus, didn't he? And you see his situation, how it changed dramatically. And sometimes, folks, we're trying to live like the world and try to walk with God. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar was prideful. Sometimes pride can enter in. And sometimes we just need to get to the place where in our life some changes need to be made, some things need to be removed. And we're looking for peace. Well, I want to read a verse to you, and I want you to see this. In verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4, it says, Be careful for nothing. How many of us are either anxious about yesterday or anxious about tomorrow? How many of us are worried about something that happened yesterday or worried about what's going to happen tomorrow? And the Bible says, be anxious for what? How many of us get that way? How many of you, and I brought this to my Sunday school class, how many of you have gotten to the place where you couldn't sleep yesterday because of today? Or you couldn't sleep last night because of yesterday. And the Bible says, be careful for what? Nothing. Nothing. Peace through righteousness is what I want you to see in this verse. Now watch what it says. (laughs) He then says this, "In uh, uh, in everything by prayer and supplication, with what? Let your requests be made known unto God. Now watch this. Look at verse 7 with me. And the peace peace of who? Which passeth all what? Shall keep your hearts and minds. But who's it going to come through? I want you to know Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. Amen? Jesus Christ is your peace. Why are we so anxious over things? Hey, Nebuchadnezzar came in. God said, this is what I'm going to do. Brings old Daniel in there and says, hey, tell me what this dream means. And Daniel says, now listen, king, if you'll listen to God, these, you know, this, it'll lengthen your tranquility give you peace for a longer period of time. And he walks in and he does what? Is this not mine that I built? And what we see is a series of events start to take place in a man's life. And I want you to know, when we become prideful, you can count on God as especially a saved person. He will abase you. <laughs> He'll bring you to the place where you have to turn your eyes and your understanding back to him before clarity comes back to you. Let's pray.